everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics, brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode will interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains. So let's get started. Hey, brunchers. Today on the podcast, we have Bailey Hancock joining us today, and I absolutely love this interview with her such a fangirl, as you'll soon hear. But Bailey is a collaboration consultant. She is a workshop facilitator and the host of Stop, Collaborate, and Listen podcast. She is a natural-born connector and professional friend maker. And Bailey has spent her career growing and nurturing her network. She believes in finding the overlap between you and those around you, because it's in that overlap where communication, connection, and collaboration can happen. You guys enjoy this episode today with Bailey on all things collaboration. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Brunch and Learn podcast. Today, I have Bailey Hancock with me. She is a collaboration consultant and expert and I'm so excited to have you on with us today. I feel like I've said it before. I feel like I've had such a girl crush on you for a very long time. (laughs) I think you're truly so talented and I've been following you for a while. Um, So really excited to have you on with us today. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. Man, (laughs) can you just, can I record that and play it as my alarm clock every morning? (laughs) Of course. Great. Done. I'll just um, listen to that intro every day when I wake up and I'm feeling sad. I'll be like, somebody thinks you're great. <laughs> well, I hope like if you're like the next Oprah that you'll invite me to things. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> I've inspired, in. inspired you constantly. Yes, every day yes. When you wake up. You'll get a mention. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So welcome to the podcast. I guess I wanted to just kick things off of telling everybody listening right now who you are, What are you up to? What are you working on? Who is Bailey? Who is Bailey Hancock? It changes by the moment these days, it feels like. I am a collaboration consultant, which the way I explained that to my, back then he was seven years old, my nephew was, I basically help people make friends for a living and then figure out how to play nice together. And it's not that far off. I primarily help people think about their business goals, their life, really every scenario from a collaboration standpoint. So what is it that you're trying to do? And could you do that better, faster, in a more exciting way by partnering with others? And a lot of that comes down to helping people understand how to accept help and how to know what value they bring to any kind of partnership or collaboration or relationship. And of course, how do you leverage the people in your network as partners and how do you support them so that they can support you? So from a high level perspective, that's what I do. And my newest tagline has been, I'm a woman on a mission to help save humanity with collaboration. Because I really think from the smallest of problems to the largest, if we could learn how to work well together and share resources and energy and effort, we would be able to accomplish so, so, so much more, including solving the world's biggest problems. That's heavy. It's heavy. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. But I think 
It's true. And on days where, you know, I'm having a tough time where I'm like, does anybody even understand or care what I'm doing? Because there are lots of days like that where I'm like, I know that what I do matters. And I know that to the people I work with, it makes all the difference. But when you kind of create your own role, like I did, collaboration consultant wasn't something I'd ever heard of before. I love alliteration. So I picked collaboration consultant as my title, but really it's strategic partnerships, strategic marketing alliances. I came from a corporate background and then the startup world, and then I launched my business. So I had, you know, I could have gone any of those directions with language that I had already heard, but something about collaboration consultant, you know, I have such a weird aversion to the word coach and I'm still not certain why, but to me, consultant is like, let me just tell you my advice and then send you on your way. And it feels, it feels more aligned with how I like to teach, but yeah, it can feel like a big overwhelming task saving humanity with collaboration, but it's also, it, it gives me a ton of purpose most days where I'm like, look, people might not be, you know, hiring me right now for my big 10 week program, but that doesn't mean that what I'm doing isn't important. It's just, there's a lot of variables right now that are so beyond our control. I mean, as an entrepreneur, we're all feeling this pandemic and now this amazing social justice uprising in a lot of different ways. And it can't help but affect your business from a positive and negative standpoint. So I'm doing my best to roll with the punches and support people where I can and, and spread the gospel of collaboration as a humanity saving tactic wherever I can. I had a lot of thoughts while you were just talking and I was curious, was there a spark because that's true, I never even heard that title, but it's very similar to partnerships um, and just general strategists. Was there just a spark that really connected, this is what I need to do, I want to do, like your pur purpose or calling? I had been doing marketing partnerships at a couple different companies, and what I saw early on was how beneficial partnering up with well-aligned communities can be for achieving your business goals. Generally, that means promotion or creating content or something like that. But mostly people want to collaborate to get the word out about their business. And I saw it as an incredible marketing strategy that didn't have to cost a penny outside of the time it takes you to do it. And that for me was the driving force between going out on my own instead of just doing partnerships on behalf of a big company. I really wanted to help entrepreneurs and individual business owners understand how to leverage collaboration as a marketing strategy, especially in the beginning when they don't have a lot of money to spend on paid ads or sponsorships or anything like that. So that was the beginning of it. And I just, I have always loved to teach and I've always loved being involved in a lot of different communities. And growing up, I didn't really know what to do with that. I was always the girl that at lunchtime, I would spend like five to 10 minutes at multiple different tables. I would bounce around the cafeteria and like say hi to my different groups of friends. And I was way too over-involved in every club and activity. And in retrospect, that was me scratching all the various itches that I had for both meeting tons of new people. I've, I've always been kind of a people collector collector. I like to look at my community and think like, oh, I've got a little bit of something for everybody. And I'm definitely a hyper connector where I'm always connecting people with others who are going to, you know, help them do whatever it is they're trying to do. And that brings me a ton of joy. And so it wasn't until I went out on my own with the intention of helping companies and individuals do marketing partnerships to grow their business 
wasn't until then that I started to realize that honestly, one of the biggest things that people take away from working with me is the fact that once we've worked together, my network is their network. And I'm very, very open about connecting people, especially once I know them, once I know their business and I can vouch for them. I'm happy to connect them to anybody in my network and beyond my network. So that ended up becoming one of the best benefits of working with me. And so I've I've really leaned into that. I call myself a professional friend maker now, which is accurate. And just connecting the dots for people is so valuable for others come to find out. Um, You know how when you're good at something, you think everybody's good at it because it comes naturally. And in the last three and a half years of running my own business, I've realized, oh, not everybody is good at connecting people or knowing the right people to introduce them to or knowing even how to make that introduction or knowing how to properly prepare that other party for making that introduction or once they get the intro. So I've definitely learned as I've gone what my real strengths are compared to what my clients have no clue about. And that's helped me become better at explaining what it is that I do and the benefit of working with me and, and ultimately finding my bigger purpose and what I'm inherently good at that I just didn't realize I was better at than other people. Yeah, I've heard that actually recently at an event I did last week leaning into just what you're naturally good at. I never even thought of it that way or really explored it (laughs) much. It's amazing what you can do when you stop trying to improve your weaknesses and just start improving your strengths or building upon your strengths. That's why I love the Strengths Finder assessment. If you've ever done that or heard of it, it's so great because it tells you out of, I think, 30 or 40 overall strengths, it tells you your top five. So that principle behind it is don't worry so much about the stuff that you're not good at. Focus on improving what you're already good at because the likelihood that you can become excellent at it is so much higher than the likelihood of you at you becoming even mediocre at the things you're not good at. So just focus your efforts, you know, on the stuff that you can actually change. Is that like the Myers-Briggs? Um, it's not Myers-Briggs. It's called Strengths Finder 2.0. Uh-huh. I don't know if there was a 1.0, <laughs> but it's 2.0. And it's it's a Gallup, Gallup uh, okay. assessment that you can take. And there's a book that goes with it. But the, the real cheat is just Google Strengths Finder 2.0, go straight to the Gallup site, and it'll give you all the information in the book and you can take the test. So I love doing assessments because I think it just helps me understand how to work with this mind of mine, you know? Yeah. I did that before and it was like a requirement for an interview at a job and I didn't get it. And it was just like wild. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> I think every company hiring should do that, honestly, because it just helps paint the picture, yeah. even of, of strengths that you're not aware you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always interesting when somebody that understands how to, how to look at the results can think, oh, I get who this person is. They might not even know how to best explain their strengths, but looking at this, I can understand what gaps they're going to fill in the team or where they could best be put to use so that their strengths were really being maximized on, on the team. A lot of companies need that. <laughs> Yeah. And development. Um, oh my employees. gosh. I did, and I think you touched on it already, I wanted to just begin with why collaboration is so important and beneficial to you or your business. And it just feels like you're saying it's kind of a no-brainer. Why it wouldn't should you begin? Be. Right. It's essentially a free marketing tactic. And when done well, it is so much more impactful for growing your top of the funnel growth, um, for bringing in the right people to your community. I've started thinking about collaboration like a party. So when you're throwing a party, 
you can have everything perfect at the party location. Say it's your house, you're throwing a house party, you can have all the best food and the best music, the best decor. But if people don't know about the party, the party's going to suck because it'll be you and you alone. So the idea of collaboration is the same as spreading the word about a party. You want to get the information about the party in the right hands of the people who you would like them and their friends to be there. So when you collaborate, the best move is to find complimentary service providers, communities, products, whatever whatever it is that has your target audience as well so that you get the information to that one touch point, the person running the company or the organization or the community, they spread the word for you. The people that they're telling about the party trust them. They're like, well, they wouldn't send me to a lame party. So, okay, I'll at least get to the party and see if I like it. And what I came to realize not that long ago about collaboration is it's it, the beauty of collaboration is getting people to the party. So you can assure yourself that the people that show up to that party are going to be the right potential people. Now, once they're there, that's a whole different ballgame, right? That's where converting them into paying clients or customers comes in. And there's a lot of variables that go into that that I actually don't touch with collaboration. But when you collaborate properly, you get all of the right potential customers so that at least that part's done. And then if you have a product, service, or community that they're that they're into, they're going to become customers. And sometimes they're just not the right fit and that's totally fine. But with collaboration, you get all the right people to the party by getting the information about the party into the right, we'll call them the popular kids, right? Like get it to the right heads of each group, right? If you want the drama kids there, you go to the leader of the drama club. You want the band kids there, you go to the band leader, etc. And it's done in a way, when it's done right, it can be done in a way that feels so much less promotional in scope and more authentic and organic. And truth be told, we all know what it feels like to be targeted by an ad. We all know what it feels like to be overtly promoted to. And the initial reaction generally is distrust you're automatically putting yourself in a position of having to prove your worth. Whereas when you come to a new community through a collaboration, you're gaining credibility through that collaboration because your point person, your partner is vouching for you and your brand. And that cuts through so many steps that traditional promotions just can't avoid, right? Like you don't have to prove yourself. They've already done it for you. You're leveraging that relationship with the other party to where their community is like, okay, I'll just, I'll at least click on this thing. I'll show up at the party. I can't promise you that I'm going to stay, but I'll at least check it out. And I mean, when you think of it that way, Collaboration does not have to be this massive undertaking with multiple parts. It can be as simple as cross-promoting your community with somebody else's. Keeping it simple is the best way to start, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, it's a no-brainer. And it doesn't have to be difficult, but it does need to be intentional and well thought out. No perfect segue. Because I was going to go into some of the initial basics when starting a collaboration and understanding Asks and gives. Yes, good job. <laughs> uh, and what exactly you're looking to get out of a potential collaboration. I've heard you yeah. speak about asks and gives and bartering and all those things, but to the new listeners, uh, they may not know. Go off, girl. All right. <laughs> I love when you explain it. Well, what's interesting is collaboration is sort of buzzy right now and I feel like it's really having a moment or it's it's increased in at least something that people say they want to do. Now, whether they actually do it is a different scenario, but 
since I started my business, it's definitely risen in the common vernacular. You see collaboration over competition, hashtag left and right, and that's wonderful. But I think before you can really collaborate effectively, you need to have some conversations with yourself or your team about what are you doing the collaboration for? What is the goal? What is it that you want from the collaboration? And what is it that you have to offer? And asks and gives have become my thing that I won't shut up about because even if you do that one simple exercise of figuring out what it is that you want and what it is that you're willing to offer a partner, it changes the whole game. Because when you go into a collaboration without fleshing those things out first, the likelihood of you both agreeing to something that maybe you wouldn't have if you had really thought it out first or not asking for what it is that you actually need to get because you're just wrapped up in the moment increase significantly. But if you can stop and say, okay, going into this conversation with this potential partner, these are the two things that I have to get that they have to agree to for me to say yes. And this is the list of things that I'm willing to offer them if the other side is right as well, if the asks are what I need them to be. And so being able to go in fully prepared allows you to be more confident in that conversation and not just get swept up in the moment and agree to things that you wouldn't have agreed to if you really thought it through. And it changes the whole dynamic. And frankly, sometimes it might end in the conversation ending with a non-negotiable situation, right? You might find that the other person's like, oh, if you're looking for promotion, honestly, my list is super teeny and not really engaged. I don't have a social following, so I'm not going to be able to promote you, but I can do these things. And I mean, at least you have the choice at that point to say whether you're okay with that swap or not. But if your primary goal is promotion and they can't offer that to you, it is perfectly fine and encouraged to say, you know what? Why don't we touch base in like six months, see if anything's changed. I like you as a company. I think our brands would be a great fit. But right now I'm really focused on growing my email list because X, Y, Z. So I have to focus on the partnerships that are going to get me there. How much more professional does that sound than somebody that's like, oh, okay, well, I guess, yeah, that's fine. Um, no big deal. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's just do it. Like it's a totally different vibe and it's the same as negotiation, but collaboration negotiation from a collaboration standpoint, there's no secrets, right? Everything's on the table. I think the more transparent you can be about your motives and the things that you actually need, the more confident the other side will be in your ability to be a good partner too. And it just makes you look so much more professional. And even if it means walking away from a potential partnership, honestly, if anybody has ever said no to a partnership with me because I couldn't fulfill their needs, I have no issues with that. That to me is like, well, you know what? Thanks for not just going through with this and then ultimately being bitter and angry with me that I didn't fulfill the needs that I didn't know you had, right? We do that in relationships too. If you're not clear and transparent and honest about what you need to get from something, how can you expect the other party to fulfill those needs? You just can't. You know, people aren't mind readers. And if you're a small business owner, you're probably not thinking about a whole lot other than your business and what you're doing. You're certainly not trying to imagine what the other side wants out of it, right? Like be, be upfront, be transparent, be communicative, and it will always, always go better. And it comes back to starting with those asks and gives. No, that's all great points. And I would also think just following up in general, whether it's a yes or no, is just... Oh, it's totally people hanging. Yeah, exactly. 
Do not ghost people. I did a whole Instagram TV episode on that last summer because it happened to me and it happened to a couple of my clients where it just the other side just stopped communicating back. And it's like, you can't help but feel like you did something wrong. Chances are good. The other side did something wrong or something came up that they just didn't loop you in on or who the heck knows, right? You, ha- you can give people the benefit of the doubt, but don't ever blame it on yourself if, if they go silent. I mean, what's the point in that, right? But if you're on the, the other end, don't ghost anybody. Just be honest and say, hey, you know what? This isn't the right fit right now. No harm, no foul. Let's touch base at some point in the future. We'll see if we can work it out then. Best of luck to you. Yeah. And can you touch on some of the possible opportunities when you're thinking about your asks and your gives. Um, I know them (laughs) of just like either you mentioned uh, promotion, but also hookups and Mm -hmm. connections, content. You've got one more. Bartering. Yes. Bravo. A plus. So proud. (laughs) Thanks. Very nice. Yeah. Well, and, you know, pretty much out of those four main categories, promotion, content, hookups, or barter, almost everybody falls into those four categories somewhere with what they want and what they can give, right? I mean, I've been at this for roughly six and a half years, and I have, haven't come up with a new category in a while. So I think that's pretty much the main ones. And I would say promotion and content by far and away are the popular ones, and they go hand in hand. So if you're asking for promotion, you're probably going to be giving content, which mm-hmm. makes sense because what are they going to promote? Content. And if you're asking for content, from the other party, you're probably going to offer promotion for that content. So those two almost always go hand in hand. And hookups are generally like another layer you add on top of it. It's almost never the only thing you want, right? Because promotion is kind of the main one. And so with hookups, actually, this is a great example. So I just started a partnership with this um, online marketing platform called AmpJar. And I just did a Facebook Live with them and my Facebook community, the Collaboration Coalition today. They're offering my community a great hookup when you join using my affiliate link. I gave them promotion by letting them come to my Facebook community. Um, And that's phase one of our partnership right? It's mostly me giving them promotion in exchange for content in the form of a Facebook Live and hookups in the form of the thing that they're going to offer my community. And then phase two, maybe next month or the month after, it's going to be me coming to their community being promoted because they have a bunch of people who are basically collaborating, shouting each other out as brand to brand um, to promote their companies. They're ripe for learning more about collaborating in other ways or growing their community in other ways. So phase two is is me coming to them as a thought leader in the collaboration space, offering up content in the form of me teaching or me writing a guest post or something like that. And they're giving me promotion to their community through their blog, their newsletter, other areas, probably directly on the website. So And I'll probably give some kind of hookup for them as well. So hookups usually are like a sweet bonus feature on top of the content and the promotion collaboration. And then barter sort of like the back pocket 
you know, you're trying to just even out the value exchange. You know, if one side just is offering so much more value than the other, bartering is a great way to be like, okay, I know that my community is small or I can't really give a huge discount and like you can only have me write so many guest blog posts. I also happen to know how to use Calendly really well. Like I could give you a tutorial on Calendly and like my other my other favorite platforms. So you can be super creative with barter opportunities and really barter opportunities are like to sweeten the deal, to make that value exchange as even as possible by pulling out all the stops. Like, all right, what can I teach them? What kind of connections could I give them? You know, do I have skills in graphic design or web design or photography or finance? I've had clients do all kinds of things for their barter um, relationships to, to make that even value exchange happen. And they don't always have to be directly to the business that you're currently running. Most of my clients have used past career skills that they have, like graphic designer photography, to say, hey, do you happen to need a new logo? Do you happen to need some photos of your products? I could give you that time and that skill of mine to help make this more even. So you can be really creative with it. Um, and it's definitely just one of those things where it's kind of the catch-all, right? It's like, all right, or we can barter. <laughs> so, but they're all very valuable. And truth be told, what you should offer completely depends on what the other party finds valuable and everybody finds something different valuable. So that's where, again, communication and transparency really comes in in that initial conversation. Would you say initial maybe homework is really identifying your partners and what you're willing to even give um, and ask for and then what you're I guess willing to do <laughs> in terms of content yeah. promotion yeah that's all part of identifying your gifts Just I mean, I think making like a menu of opportunities is really good if you want to think of it that way. Um, just like listing out, I mean, I have a ton of worksheets for this that I do with my clients, but basically when you think about promotion, if you're willing to offer promotion, what are your channels? How many people follow you on each of those channels? What's the frequency at which you give new content through those channels? Is it a podcast? Is it an event series, a blog? You name it. Um, social media for content. What can you talk about? What can you write about? Are you good on camera? Are you good? Are you better with audio? Do you prefer to write? So you start thinking about, you go into each of those gives and you dig in deeper and you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, you know, what are all the places that I could do that? And with bartering, totally, you can just do a laundry list of all the skills you possess and all the things that you're willing to do. And what I always tell people before they go into that initial conversation is, you know, have your laundry list of gives, but have it in your mind how many you're willing to give, right? You don't want to give the whole kit and caboodle and say, I'll do any of these things. You could say in your head, you could be listening to them as they're telling you what their goals are and think, well, if they said they're trying to get promotion, cool. Let me think about my channels. Like which of these channels would I prefer them to come to, right? Do I want to do a co-produced webinar with them to give them, you know, exposure or a Facebook live, or would I rather them just write me an article that I can put in my newsletter or film, you know, a five minute tutorial that I can share via my newsletter. So be thinking about the places that you're comfortable offering promotion or where you need content um, or what kind of hookups you'd be willing to have. That's something that people don't think about. If you have a community or even a, a group of past clients, any way that you can continue to show value to those people, make you look 
better to them, right? Like if I can offer all my past clients or my current community some kind of discount on a product they'll actually want to use, they're going to think more fondly of me. They're going to be like, man, I'm so glad I hired Bailey. I didn't realize I was going to get access to all this other stuff. Or like, I'm so glad I'm part of the collaboration coalition on Facebook. I wasn't even realizing I was going to get this kind of hookup. So it just, it helps provide more value for the people that already follow you, which then in turn just builds your relationship even better. I was also curious as to where and how can you find partners? Everywhere. I mean, I think the most important place to start is with your initial circles, you know, your inner group, like who are the people, you know, fellow entrepreneurs, fellow content creators, people that have an overlapping mission, vibe and audience to you. That's the key part, right? Those three things are the most important when finding a good partner. So overlapping mission, why do you do what you do? Overlapping vibe, how do you communicate what you do? Overlapping audience, who do you do it for? Those are the three key pieces that you want to make sure are overlapping. And then from there, I think the best place to look is in your immediate circle. Who do you already know and trust and love who knows, trusts, and loves you back that you could do something together that's very low risk, not a big deal. Just get your feet wet, especially if you've never done a collaboration before. It's a muscle. You get better every single time. You get less nervous every single time. Each time you do it, you find new ways to be even better at it and to be a better partner and to ask for the right things and ask the right questions and execute in a better way and evaluate it better. So the more you can do it, the better at it you will become. And if you can start by partnering with the people that you're not terrified of like ruining a relationship with or like disappointing, then it just feels like a more enjoyable experiment that you can run. Past that, look around you. What circles are you part of? What networking groups are you part of? What Facebook groups are you part of? You know, are you in an alumni community? Like, find the places where you already have something in common with the other party, even if you don't know them personally. Because my whole mission is finding the overlap between you and another person, right? And if you can start with a place where you both are members or you're already both getting that kind of content together, you share a common, you know, interest in the topic. Topic, that's a great jumping off point. And then you start from the overlap and then work your way out from there. So partners are incredibly easy to find as soon as you start to open your eyes and be like, oh, you're a potential partner. You're a potential partner. Oh my gosh, you're a potential partner. And then of course you make sure that you have that overlapping mission, vibe, and audience. And then you can go from there. Then you get to have the conversation and, and say, well, what is it that you would want? Here's what I would want. Here's what I'm willing to give. And again, that's another touch point of like, if yes, then continue. If no, then end, right? So there's definitely layers to this. And one of the last layers is actually doing the collaboration. But the beauty of collaborating with people that are at the right kind of partners for you is if it goes well, you can do it again. You can try something different. And that's the best kind of partnership. Like with AmpJar, the partner that I was mentioning, we have phase one, which we're currently in, we're about to wrap up phase one. If it all goes well, and so far so good, we will move on to phase two. And if it is just feeling like not the right fit or my audience just is not signing up, they're not clicking on the link or they're not converting, then that will tell us, well, maybe we're not as good of a fit as we thought we might be. No problem, great doing business with you, best of luck. Or we might find that people really love the platform, which will tell us chances are good that his people will love me, just like my people love Tim. I also wanted to, I guess, ask, what is the best way to approach a partnership? 
I have a whole Instagram TV episode on this one too, because it's such an important element. Um, when you're reaching out to a potential partner, there's quite a few things you can do to make sure that they actually respond to that email. First and foremost is making sure that you can get a warm introduction if possible. So can you be introduced to this person by somebody that you both know? That increases the likelihood of them responding, I don't know, a billion, that's an official statistic. Um, and so if you can get introduced, again, that's credit ability, right? They're vouching for you. So that person will be more likely to at least get on the phone with you and explore the opportunity. Um, but doing your homework on the partner and making sure that you know what they're up to as much as one can from the outside looking in, not going in totally cold, being like, so tell me about the business. Act like you, you know, did any kind of research on them. It's any kind of relationship building, right? Like, how, how did you come to find them? Like, why them? Why did you reach out to them? What made you want to partner with them? Flattery goes a long way, especially if it's genuine and mostly if it's genuine. I mean, I think with collaborating, why would you want to partner with somebody that you don't like want to partner with, like that you don't actually like? It seems very silly. So show your genuine enthusiasm for their brand and their business. And that honestly, that alone would at least make me get on a phone call and be like, I'll hear you out. You seem to know what I'm up to and like what I'm doing. Like, absolutely. Let's at least talk, you know, what's the worst that can happen. So I think doing your homework, getting that warm introduction, if you can, and making it super easy. Um, I feel like I have a thing for everything. I have a partnership outreach email template as well. Uh, this is what six years doing this will do. I have templates and tools and resources for every part of the, the process because it doesn't have to be difficult. It can be seamless and fun and just, you know, such an easy thing to do for your business that like, why complicate it, right? So if you go to baileyhancock.com, it will pop up within five seconds with an option to check out that template. But it has helped so many people know what to say when reaching out to, especially a stranger. Um, but spoiler alert, flattery goes a long way. Show that you've done your homework and give them as much information in a concise format that they're not going to be reading a novel trying to understand what it is that you want. Be to the point. Um, give them lots of links. So if they want to stalk you, they can, but they'll be doing it in a way that you want to be stalked. I think that's an important thing. Yes, somebody can just Google you, but you're not in control of what comes up. So if you can give them the tools to find out more about you in places that are going to be the most flattering for you, then by all means do that. Yeah, I always thought it was helpful to even do a pitch deck, and it might um, sure. For sure. Or if, especially if you want to even go further of PR or making it easy for someone at a glance, but also felt like I didn't need all of that stuff. But to your point, like research, even a couple stats of my community and numbers, uh, links as well, but totally agree. Yeah. Whatever's going to shine you in the best light. You know, if it's a pitch deck, if that's something that you're, you feel confident doing, I think that looks really professional. And especially since it's one place that you can share all of the information about your business that they could possibly want to know, but it's still just one attachment or one link. I think that's the move. I feel like my next couple questions are also things you've covered on your IG uh, <laughs> lives, but it was also a lot of questions that kept reoccurring from our audience when submitting questions, but what are some of the best tools and resources for a collaboration? Whatever you're actually going to use. So 
I used to get really wrapped up in making sure everybody used my partnership database template and, you know, my, my task management systems and all of that. But the long and short of it is whatever you already use to manage your tasks and your deadlines and your workflow, use that. But what's important is that you have something that is going to help you stay clear and on track with your deliverables because the worst thing you can do in a partnership is miss deadlines, overpromise, underdeliver. That's just bad partnership karma that you're accruing right there. So wherever you're going to be more likely to get something done, put it there, but have a way to track all of your tasks and your deadlines so that you're not falling short on those promises. Um, in terms of like organizing and my task management, I use Airtable for just about everything. I recently I switched probably last year sometime because it can kind of, it's like part Trello, part Asana, part Google Docs, part Google Sheets. Like it's all the things. Um, but, you know, with my partner Ampjar, I said to them, I was like, hey, do you already use a task management system? I'm happy to adapt because I've used all of them at some point with different partners. So I always give the option and saying like, I can come to you, I can meet you halfway and, and, you know, keep track of all these things wherever you like. And Pete, my partner was like, honestly, I don't really use one. And I was like, cool, then let's keep everything in this Google doc and we'll just both check it off when we're done and be checking in on it. So that's what we're using. It can be as simple as a Google doc and as complicated or fancy as, you know, one of these platforms that can do all of the things with all the bells and whistles. But the most important thing is that you're keeping everything organized and that you're able to meet your deadlines and, and manage your assets too. I think when you have everything in a bunch of different places, that's when things fall through the cracks. So for me, I at minimum have like a Google Drive folder that we both have access to where we add all the logos and the marketing assets and any kind of docs, things like that. Um, and then have some kind of tracking system for making sure that we're on target with all of our to-dos. Seems expensive. <laughs> I've done like many collaborations with other communities or exchanging um, just networks, but that's, I mean, your next level. That's the whole goal, right? Like yeah. you can do partnerships and collaborations without me all day, every day. But what happens when you work with somebody that pours their heart and soul into this is I'm going to give you systems. I'm going to give you processes. I'm going to give you tools. And I'm always learning of new ones. And I'm always making new templates based on what my clients need. That's, I don't even know how many templates I, I probably have 40 plus templates now because somebody will come to me and say, Hey, do you have a template for this? And I'm like, no, but give me an hour and I'll make something. So yeah. I, I think that's, that's the beauty of working with somebody, right? Like you're going to get tools, you're going to get resources. And for me and most of the people I work with, we're type A type women who just need a plan. Just give me the stuff and I will do it. I promise I'll do all my homework, but like point me in the right direction and give me some, some action items and I will handle it. Um, that's who I end up working with. And that's who I love to work with because we're all just like ambitious, driven, just give us a thing and we will do it. We will execute. But like, I'm completely lost and confused prior to that moment. So I try and make it stupid easy to be excellent at collaborating. And how would you say you could probably protect yourself and your business from a bad collaboration or getting screwed over in a partnership? 
Definitely, it comes back to that over-communication and transparency along the way. I do like to have at least a collaboration doc that just outlines everything, right? So in my collaboration doc that I use with partners, it has all of their information. It has all of their um, social following statistics, their newsletter open rate, click-through rate, like all their stats so that we can better set tangible ROI goals at the start of a partnership. So we can look at our two list sizes and open rates and click-through rates and say, okay, we can probably expect that X number of people will open this email, X number of people will click on it. I know that my conversion rate is X. Okay, I can expect 10 potential new customers from this you know, campaign that we're gonna do to a thousand people, whatever it is. And you don't even have to go that granular. Like you don't have to set crazy metrics like that. But I do think it is important to have some kind of measurable ROI so that you're not just doing things for the sake of doing them. Purposeless promotion is a very real thing that plagues a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, And it's okay. Like that's everybody in the beginning. Everybody's just happy to be there. Everybody's like, I did a collaboration. How did it go? Oh, uh, I don't know because you weren't measuring anything. Um, But so what what was the original question to that? I totally went off on a tangent there. Getting screwed over. Getting screwed over. So clarity, having everything in one place. So past just the statistics of each company's um, social channels and, and platforms and all of that. I have the roles and responsibilities very, very clearly laid out. I have all the deadlines and the due dates for things. Um, and the collaboration doc really becomes a living, breathing thing. However, it is the place that we both agree to before pressing go on something. I will say, hey, here's what I understand the collaboration to be. Go in, make any changes, comments. Let's work through any questions you might have. Let's make sure we are exactly on the same page. Then we may proceed. So whether it's an email that you have where you're like, does everything look good here? They respond, yep, all good. That to me is like both signing on the dotted line. Depending upon the scope of the collaboration, if there's money exchanged, I think a contract is very necessary. Generally, the collaborations I do and I help my clients do are non-monetary in nature. So they're they're mostly, I'm going to promote you in this way to this pe- these people on this date, you know, with these kind of deliverables. Um, I'm going to provide you this content by this date with this number of words or, you know, it's that kind of thing. And I worked with a lawyer a few years ago because I was like, I should probably have contracts for my clients. And she essentially told me that if there's no money exchanged, a contract really can't be up- upheld. Um, because like the stakes are so low. That's kind of how I understood it. So I said, oh, great. I haven't been doing contracts this whole time. I'm so glad I was in the right there and not screwing myself over. But I will say this, like the more you do, the more likely it is that something's not going to go perfectly according to plan. But I think what's important is maintaining a level of transparency and communication so that if something comes up and suddenly a deadline's missed, you can say, hey, uh, according to our collaboration doc, you were going to be doing this yesterday. You know, did the timeline shift? Did something come up? Do we need to adjust the rest of the time, you know, the timeline? Um, It gives you a reference point to point to and say, remember that time we both agreed to this? Are we still going to do that? Or do we need to come back to the table and have a conversation? And, you know, if they, if they lie or if they don't respond or they ghost you, believe people when they show you who they are and just don't work with them again. 
You know, it's just like relationships. Don't punish your future partners because of mistakes of partners past, but learn from those mistakes. And it helps you ask better questions and make more clarifying points and just cover your own ass a little bit because it's just, we're people and people are fallible and things come up. So you know, I think being clear and communicative is the best way that you can prevent yourself from being screwed over because often it was lack of clarity that caused a miscommunication to happen and for you to perceive that the other party screwed you over. They might not feel that way. They might feel like they did everything they said they would do. So that's why having everything in writing in one centralized location that you both agree to and you say, yep, this looks good is so important. I wanted to throw in a question because I th- you mentioned it in the beginning. Collaboration over competition, in the se- essentially, and seeing those hashtags. What are your thoughts on that? Is it this mindset that it's negative, you shouldn't be cross, crossing, cross-pollinating um, that competition? Do you find that in your work or clients, that that negative, like, hesitant, I guess? I think a lot of people are initially just nervous that they're going to lose clients to the partner if they team up with somebody that has a complimentary or has an overlapping audience to them. But the thing I always have to remind my clients is that, you know, even if you were going to collaborate with a direct competitor, you still do things probably a little bit differently. You still have your own vibe. You still have your own, you know, strengths within the thing that you both do well. You look at one city, how many coffee shops are in one city, right? It doesn't keep customers from only going to one. Like most people choose different coffee shops depending on the variable they're focusing on at the moment. Some are good for parking. Some are better for meeting with people. Some are better for getting work done. Some just have a good coffee that you're like, I don't care that this is a hole in the wall. I'm getting my coffee and leaving. So I think the same can be said for small businesses. I mean, I look at photographers as the primary example of this because there seem to be be so many and I'm friends with and in community with so many photographers and I've worked with so many different photographers depending on my need in that scenario. Some are better at portraits, some are great at lifestyle, some are great at product shoots, some are great at whatever. And so when even if two photographers were going to partner, I think the most important thing that they make sure of is that they do each have their own unique way of doing photography or maybe they focus on different angles. Um, or they have totally different styles. Even if they both do portraits, you know, one does portraits this way, one does portraits another way, you can always find a way to collaborate. So I think when I push people to think that way and start thinking like, well, what is the craziest scenario? Two, two people that do the exact same thing for the exact same people partnering, like that is possible. Then you look at companies that aren't even the same as yours and you're like, well, shoot, of course we can partner together. Like, you know, if, especially if they're complimentary to yours, I always say like, who's the toast to your avocado, (laughs) right? Like who I used to say the ketchup to your hot dog bun, but I adjusted it for California life. Um, (laughs) And the brunch podcast. And the brunch (laughs) podcast, right? Like who is the mimosa to your eggs Benedict, right? So I, I think when you think about it that way, Everybody, everybody becomes a potential partner. So long as you have overlapping mission, vibe, and audience, there is no limit to who you can partner with. And I actually think that the more unusual the partner looks to your community, the more intriguing it can be and the more likely it is that you can get some press around it potentially. So, you know, the sky's the limit. I think the most important thing to get past with collaboration is feeling like, um, 
you can't trust another party and letting your ego get in the way. Trust, lack of trust, and too much ego are the two main things that destroy collaboration and keep it from being possible. So if you can get past that need to either be the only one or, you know, fear of not getting credit where credit's due or that you're going to get screwed over, if you can get past those initial feelings the door just gets busted open for collaboration opportunities. And I, I promise you, your life and your business are both going to be better for it. I also wanted to know, like, what is your ideal of a perfect partnership? What does that look like in your opinion? Or do you have any examples that you've come across recently? Honestly, so far, the partnership that I'm currently working on with Amchar is is shaping up to be a good case study for the perfect partnership because of the fact that we're trying all these different tactics together, right, through the two different phases and perhaps three and four and five going on if it goes well. I like a multi-prong approach to a collaboration. So if you're going to do promotion, what's the great content that you can create? Can you throw a hookup in there? I like, you know, if you're going to do something as simple as like an affiliate relationship where you're promoting something on behalf of another party to your community for a potential, you know, payout. Affiliates only work really well when you have a lot of ways to remind your community that they exist. I always think about, you know, if you're part in a, of an alumni association, you have like a whole brochure of hookups, right? They're always to like Hertz rental car <laughs> and something like that and Geico, but you don't think about them every day. And maybe you remember to check your alumni discount page before you rent a car, but I'm not positive I ever have. So what's important about affiliates is that there's a way to continuously promote and remind your community that they exist in a way that is value add to them and not just an overt promotion. So that could be in this situation, you know, having somebody from Hertz come to your community and do a webinar on like best ways to save money when renting a car or like best road trip options or, you know, something like that that's going to be valuable, whether they end up taking advantage of the deal or not. And I think, you know, you can look at any kind of partnership that way and think, what are all of the angles that we can take here to better inform our community of the partnership? whether that's through a podcast episode or an Instagram or Facebook live or a blog post or, you know, some kind of freebie or downloadable, what's the hookup we can give to incentivize them to actually convert to a client for the other side? Where are all the channels that I can promote this in a way that feels interesting and not just like an overt promotion? Um, So I always look at it as like, what are all the angles we can come at this one partnership from? That's going to make it not only well-rounded and interesting, but likely to actually be seen and consumed by all of the people in your community. Because we all assume that our communities are seeing everything we're posting. And my friends, they are not. So if you can have a podcast episode and a blog post and an Instagram live and a post and something, 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 like the more angles you can take to promote and get this in front of people and to provide value, the more well-received it's going to be. And the more the partner's going to be happy, the more you're going to be happy and the more you're both going to feel really good about the relationship and want to do phase two, three, and beyond. I have a couple wrap up fun questions, not related to collaboration, related to brunch. Love it. I miss brunch. Do you love brunch? I do love brunch. I mean, it's different now that I have a 10 month old, but before Archie existed, loved me a good brunch and I'll be back. 
brunch won't go anywhere, right? We're not going to lose brunch as a social structure. (laughs) I hope not. I hope not for your sake. (laughs) Doubtful. It's breakfast and lunch. I mean, really. What do you want? It's it's efficient. It's just the best way to go about two meals. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, You don't hear anything about winter. I mean, Leonard yeah. is, you know, Leonard is an awkward time of the day. It's shift change at restaurants. It's no good. It's really snack time. Yeah. What is your favorite brunch meal or restaurant recipe cocktail? Could be anything. Ooh, I love a really good like bagel and lox situation. Love okay. a good bagel and lox. Um, I also, if there is a crab Benedict on the menu, I'm probably going to get it. And then depending on my mood, I'm usually a savory person, but if I'm in a sweet mood, S&W Country Diner in downtown Culver City, Los Angeles, has a bacon cheddar waffle Ooh. that they literally cook the bacon and pieces of cheddar cheese, which I would have never thought in a in a waffle gross no it's amazing they like bake it into the waffle and it's heaven on earth and it's also like four dollars for some reason it makes no sense um and honestly i love diner coffee like just classic kind of crappy uh slightly burnt diner coffee with like the creamer on the table and a sweet and low is decadent to me (laughs) how are the bagels in california i don't know if i trust a bagel there I mean, think about it. LA is half New Yorkers that escape the city anyway. So yeah, we don't have the water, but who cares? They're great. I mean, I'm trying to think if I have a favorite bagel and lox place, like brunch place in LA. And the only one coming to potential mind is the Culver Hotel, which is just this beautiful historic hotel in downtown Culver City. I lived in Culver for like five years. So I recently moved out of Culver City, but just down the street. They have one of the best brunches, and it's really underrated. People don't quite know about it. Oh, no, I'm blowing up my spot now. Um, but it's you can make a reservation. And to me, that's one of the clutch things about a brunch place. If you can make a brunch reservation, I am in because I hate, hate, hate waiting yeah. for a table because I never go when I'm not hungry. I'm already starving by the time I get there. So I don't have it in me to wait. I'm going to be hangry and super grumpy and, you know, make bad decisions. So I love that there you can make reservation and uh, they actually have quite a good bagel and lock situation. Also, I'm from Florida and I've Same. I live in California. Wait, are you? Where are you All from right. in Florida? Have we done this already? I don't think so. Uh, I'm from South Florida. Boca Raton, and then I oh, went yeah. to school at UCF. So I going? went to University of Florida. Oh, okay. Aww. And I'm from Sebastian, which is only like two and a half hours north of Boca. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, Vero Beach. But yeah, so I mean, I didn't grow up with good bagels. If anything, that was oh, like the a, worst in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I, I have a very low bar <laughs> for good bagels. I would say, like, I I wrote a blog post on this, but the craziest brunch I've ever seen was, like, in Portland, Oregon, and I love Portland. They have great food. Mm, Yeah. It was called, like, Honey Milk, and they, it was a small place, and they actually, it was pre-fixed, so that's all you got. You got a sweet and a savory, um, and a pre, and, um, like, a pre-appetizer and drink, but you hung out in this one area, and you could color, and you could play games, and watch movies, and they took your order then, and by the time your seat was ready, your food was already out. Oh my God. Why is that not the case everywhere? It was crazy. <laughs> brilliant. Innovative. Yeah. Cutting edge. <laughs> yes. And final question. Well, almost final question. 
since this is the Brunch and Learn podcast, we mix brunch and learning. So what is one thing that you learned this week? It could be oh my anything. gosh. I'm a voracious learner. I'm one of my strengths and the StrengthsFinder 2.0 is input, which means I collect information. So I'm always reading and learning. And then that means nothing usually sticks out. But I will say, you know, at the time of this recording, it's it's very much in the height of um, the Black Lives Matter uprising and all of that. So I've been doing a lot of anti-racism learning and watching documentaries. I just watched 13 um, or 13th by Ava DuVernay, which was incredibly enlightening and insightful and, and really helpful to understand just the background of the prison industrial complex and all of that. Um, on a different note, I'm always learning more about astrology and about human design and all of the, I say I'm type A with a dash of woo. Um, so I'm always like very tactical learning and then mystical as well. And I like to mix it all together. Um, and then from a business perspective, I'm learning right now about creating smaller price point offerings you know, to, to get people a very tangible, quick way to learn something from me. Actually, it's going to be about asks and gives. That's going to be my, it's called a pocket product. Um, so I'm working on building that out right now because, you know, truth be told, this pandemic has really made me have to re shift my priorities with what I want to sell to people because not everybody can do a 10 week program or are interested in a 10 week program anymore. So I'm thinking about ways to get my information and knowledge out to people in much smaller containers that are at price points that people feel comfortable spending. And of course, you know, hopefully long term, they want to work with me on a bigger level. But my mission is to help empower people across the world to be able to think collaboratively and of course save humanity with collaboration. So I find it really important and very valuable to be able to get that information out to people any way that I can while of course also still earning brunch money. So, <laughs> cause let me tell you what's not cheap in LA brunch. I bet I went to San Francisco last year and my God, it is expensive there. I would say more than New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it's just breakfast food, which is arguably the cheapest food to make. <laughs> it makes no sense. People um, love brunch. They do. It's uh, where the money's at. I yep. get it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I guess, can you tell everyone uh, listening where they can find you at on the internet? So every handle is at Bailey Hancock and it's Bailey with no E. So B-A-I-L-Y. Hancock like John. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, which I hate and I'm never on. My website's baileyhancock.com. I'd say the best place, honestly, is Instagram if you're on it because my link in bio has all the things, including the Collaboration Coalition Facebook group, which is dangerously close to hitting 900 members. Um, it has grown so much Congrats. in the last few months. Thank you. It's, it's grown leaps and bounds. Um, and I think it's just showing that people are really hungry for collaboration and finding partners seems to be one of the top questions I get where do you find them and I'm like well I guess I'll just make a place where you can all find each other so that's linked there of course but yeah I would say find me on the interwebs at Bailey Hancock yeah as your biggest fan girl I would attest to your Instagram lives and your uh, Facebook group uh, I love your three-day collaboration challenge. Thank you. A lot of great content for the listeners to enjoy. Um, 
thank you again so much for hanging out with me and thank you for else. having me oh this was so fun and i'm so grateful we finally got to meet even though it's virtual we'll do brunch one day it'll be wonderful back when the world is i don't know open again even though it's definitely open some places which makes me very nervous but that's a different conversation <laughs> <laughs> i think love that yeah i mean i haven't been to la in years it's uh it's it's pretty great you know despite it being astronomically expensive uh it's a lovely place to live i'm very grateful to be here so well thank you again thanks nicole thanks everybody